You're listening to Run With The Bulls, a podcast discussing a unique approach to everyday finance with everyday people. Run With The Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro, a financial wellness company. Now, your hosts, author Danny Kofke and the royalty of financial wellness, Whitney Queen. Welcome to season three of Run With The Bulls. My name is Danny Kofke and I'm a motivational mentor with Mentoro. I'm joined by the president of Mentoro, Whitney Queen. Hey, Whit. Hey, Danny, and hello to everyone listening. Danny, did you just say season three? That I did. I mean, can you believe it? I guess officially I now we can put in our titles that we're podcast hosts, right? <laughs> if we made it to three seasons, that, uh, that yeah, we, we've done something, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. It's been so much fun. And in all seriousness, you guys, we can't thank you enough for listening. Yeah, I mean, it's because of the listeners that we do come back. And then, you know, to your point, we do have fun and money is a very serious topic. So we try to take a little more lighthearted uh, mm-hmm. spin at it. But obviously, they're, what, what we're saying is resonating somewhat because we are having listeners. A lot of people are downloading it and even all over the world. Pretty amazing. So, yeah, yeah. thank you, listeners, because we're back because of you. Yeah, absolutely. So we're kicking off another season, and we've got some exciting stuff on tap. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to cover all things entrepreneurship, health and wealth, baby prep, mm-hmm. engagement rings, and even celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day. Yeah, that, that may be one of my favorite ones coming up because I'm an Atlanta Brave fan, and mm-hmm. uh, their, their arch rivals are the New York Mets. Well, Bobby Bonilla is a player that played for the Mets way back in the 2000s. In fact, he hasn't played for them since the year 2000, but every year the Mets pay him $1.19 million on a certain day of the year. And it's become known as Bobby Bonilla Day. So stay tuned for that. That'll be coming up this season. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, yes. All right. So to kick off season three, we are going to get a little deep. So are you ready for this one, Whit? I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, today, um, it's gonna, we're, we're going to talk about how our upbringing can affect our money habits even 40 years later. <sighs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so as a parent, this is pretty scary, but I hope it's also going to be very informative as well. So as you think back on your childhood, Whitney, what memories about money do you have? Mm. Gosh. So one that really kind of comes to mind or stands out is, um, you know, as probably young elementary school, maybe kindergarten. And my parents are teaching me about the offering at church. Mm -hmm. And the Sunday school teacher had given us this little box to take home throughout the week. And it would be, it, it was intended to teach us that, you know, as you got money of your own, that you could stock it away and then you could bring it to church as an offering plate. Right. Well, uh, I, really got behind the idea and naturally because I'm so competitive I was like let me see how much money I can get in this thing mm-hmm. and take it to church and I'll be the one that brings the most money to church it's ridiculous totally no, no. totally missed the point initially but uh, ultimately what my parents ended up showing me is that you know if you're smart with your money and you have a giving heart that you can be philanthropic with your money as well yes, so yes. Um, I would say that set a, a good tone for me understanding about money that it's important to have it for yourself, but it's also important to give back. Right. I love that. And see, so you learn that. And once again, you thought kindergarten, so what, age five, age six, Mm -hmm. something like that. So Mm -hmm. it just shows you still remember that from that lesson. Um, You know, for me, 
I think back to my childhood, and my mom stayed at home until I was in sixth grade, and we grew up in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom house. So my brother, myself, my mom, and dad. Now I think back, we had one bathroom. We had a share. I guess it's good we weren't girls. Ooh, that would have been a, a little trickier. Um, but but then I think, you know, so stayed at home. My dad, I mean, he made okay money, but like I said, small home, nothing real crazy, drove used cars. But kind of when I look back, I'm like, we were always content. We were always happy. We, we still went on family vacations. It wasn't, you know, we didn't go to Disney World every year and do it up, but we spent time together. And, you know, for me, I think then as I became an adult and had children of my own, I, I still focus even now we've talked about, you know, we looked at my, my savings account and those things I have, but it's more about experiences It's kind of, you know, what I place value on. And I think that's just from, from my upbringing. Cause I would, I would see people, you know, people, I know people that make a lot more than, than we do mm-hmm. yet. They're not content. Mm-hmm. They're not happy. They're always in search of something. And, and a lot of times it's an item. And, you know, for me, I think just with that upbringing, fortunately for me, it just showed that, 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 um, you know, experience and relationships are, are what saving money is about mm-hmm. and opportunities to do that. So those lessons I learned from that age, I still continue you know, to do and hopefully passed on to my children as well. So the verdict's yeah. still out on that. We'll see. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think so. <laughs> yes. I think so for sure. Uh, so maybe now that we've uh, gotten a little deep, we're going to take a look at why some of these decisions we make as adults are directly correlated to how we were raised. Coming up after the break, four parenting behaviors that can negatively influence your money habits and what you can do to combat them. Connect with us on social media. Search at Mentoro Group on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Welcome back. On this episode, we're taking a look at how our upbringing can impact our financial lives. Yeah, that, that indeed. And once again, um, if you're a parent out there, whew, just I, I know it can be tough. It's already hard enough. But yeah, so we just kind of have to be mindful of these. Um, so some of us grew up with extremely frugal parents. In fact, whether things were extremely tight or they were trying to teach you a lesson, it seemed like you were always told no when you really wanted something. Mm-hmm. If this sounds familiar to you like it does to me, you may now overspend to overcompensate. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're always told no for something, it's similar, you know, like a diet. We always refer to it like a diet, you know, money habits. So if you're told no, gosh, once you kind of get out, I mean, that's why the freshman 15 is a big thing in college. Like it's restricted at home and you get out on your own and bam, you just do it up. Same holds true with money. That's uh, very, very poignant. So binge spending often happens in response to feeling deprived. We have all heard about or know someone who grew up in a very strict household, and once they left the nest, went a little <laughs> overboard. Yeah, yes. I know for me, you brought up the freshman 15. It was like that with like clothes. You know, as soon right. as I could get away from my parents, I w- had access to a mall that I never had growing up in a small town, and it was like... You know, sure. And it's okay to do that, I I think, because that's part of growing up. But then, you know, when you're still doing it and you're 45, okay, you know, it's to be said, you know, (laughs) to be expected once you kind of leave the nest a little bit to explore life on your own. But that's where you have to, you know, to to analyze it. And, you know, if you fall into this situation, you know, it, it may and it may not be you know easy to do, but have a talk with your parents about their choices. There may be a lot more to them than you realize. Um, so, in addition, you can stop this cycle now and understand that financial security is the best revenge for feeling deprived as a youngster. Mm-hmm. So, on the 
opposite side of this, some grew up with parents who never said no. <sighs> right. So if this describes your upbringing, you may continue feeling like you should have and get anything your heart desires. And the problem with this, I mean, we can pretty much figure it out, but you may not have the income needed to keep up with this and thus rack up a lot of debt. Mm -hmm. To help combat this, try to shift your thoughts from having a lot of stuff now to having financial freedom later in life. Challenge yourself to look ahead and plan for more meaningful things rather than just the day-to-day -day ones. Right. I mean, and that's where a lot of people I know with the FOMO and things like that, mm -hmm. that, that were, you know, and now I will say with social media, with all the things that we are exposed to advertisement, this one can be difficult, mm -hmm. um, especially if you're used to getting all those things whenever you wanted. But yes, I mean, we're going to go back to, to the budget. you got to look at your budget and see where your money's going. And if you can afford to buy whatever you want, I mean, have at it, right? I mean, but most of us can't. So that is where we have to be mindful and then realize, you know what, maybe I'm spending and I'm doing this because I fear that I'm missing out. But yet, you know, you've already had all these great life experiences. So it's not always about the next thing. Right. Yeah. I remember growing up, there was a girl who like always had the go-kart, the golf cart, mm -hmm. the, she got the trampoline, she got everything. And it was for every holiday she got, you know, like even Easter, she got this massive basket full of stuff. And right. I remember thinking like, gosh, my parents never do cool stuff like that. Right. But right. then later in life, she's really struggled because she doesn't truly understand the value in those things. Right. She yeah. had the 90210 Easter bunny, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't come to my house either. Me, so. yeah. nope, oh, nope. well, oh, well. <laughs> so this next one is admirable, but could lead to financial trouble. Your parents were very giving. So maybe they grew up with little or experienced some part of trauma. Because of this, they invested time and money in causes they were very passionate about. I mean, a great thing, right? But it could lead to difficulty. Sure. So while it's great to give money to worthwhile causes that are near and dear to your heart, you may end up giving more money than you should out of guilt or even obligation. It may seem like you can't say no to anyone. Right. And that's, you know, when we when Sarah McLaughlin comes on TV with those commercials, right? It can be hard. I mean, they do, you know, tug at your strings. But to help with this, decide which causes are most important to you and include them in your giving budget. This way, you know what you're giving and give ahead of time, and you won't be as tempted to give too much based just on emotion and impulse. And, mm -hmm. you know, there are, I mean, you know, thousands of causes that you can give to, and that's where we don't want you to feel guilty. I mean, it's great to give, but, you know, we most of us can't give to every person that right. needs it. I mean, it's just reality. Right. This was one that impacted my dad quite a bit. Um in fact, it's uh, ironically the reason why I love blueberries. My dad had a patient that could never pay for their appointments. Uh -huh. And so uh, they were blueberry farmers. And my dad said, if you'll just bring blueberries, my daughter loves blueberries. And so pretty much throughout my whole life, we just always had a freezer stock full of blueberries, which I loved. Right. But it was because my dad just didn't have the heart to force them to pay. Right. And it's really good. And it's a really heartwarming story. But if my dad did that with all of his patients, then we, you know, yeah. uh, we would need them to be paying us in a house and other types of food sure. and all these things because you just can't sustain off. Right. I mean, it's kind of like giving. people that like cats, but get a hundred cats. Yes. You can't take care of them all. Right. So, I mean, right. you know, we, we do have to be mindful. And, and then once again, going back to, to intentional spending, we kind of set that money aside. Okay. This is what we're giving to. And the money is already devoted towards it. Mm-hmm. 
So the next trait is all too common, and that is that your parents never taught you about money. This is a common problem, and unfortunately, many view the money talk the same way that they do the birds and the bees. Right. And, um, and, and you know, schools don't teach you either. Mm-hmm. Um, no firsthand. <laughs> As a former teacher, we, we don't do it. So you don't know how money works, and you overspend, you don't save, you don't invest, and basically you just bury your head when it comes to anything related to finances. So the only way you learn is by making mistakes, and these mistakes are often very costly. Yes. The great news is you're doing something right now by listening to us. That's right. (laughs) Uh, You're getting educated. So just like with any subject, the more educated you are about it, the better your decisions will be. So uh, in addition to things like our podcast, we have tons of great resources available to you. You can just visit mymentor.com if you're interested. Right. And I'm going to do a little tease right here. So, you know, we're on a podcast now, but because we talked about it earlier, our podcast has, you know, gained popularity. We've started a video series as well. So you're not only going to be able to learn from us. We have a series that's called The Bullpen, and we're going to have industry experts on that kind of talk about all different areas of finance. So that way, I mean... I think you and I are great, and I think, you know, but you can learn from other people as well. So, you know, once again, you can check us out, go to to mymentor.com, kind of figure out all the information, and and then just, yeah, we're going to have a YouTube channel to check out those interviews, and that way, you know, you can just not just listen to us, which, you Mm -hmm. know, once again, we're pretty knowledgeable, and I think we give good advice, but, you know, we want to have other experts on as well to kind of show you other ways to, to win with money. Yeah, absolutely. Lots smarter folks than me. <laughs> there you go. Well, I don't know. I mean, you went to Alabama, so I went to FAU. So I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> yes, I guess to your point. Yes, much smarter than us. So. <laughs> true, true. So, um, so we just took a look at four ways our upbringing can influence our financial decision years, our financial decisions years later. So, along with ways to combat these decisions, coming up next, more parenting behaviors that can impact us. Great news. You don't have to visit Spain to run with the bulls. Unless you want to get trampled, visit mymentoro.com and use organization code RUNWITHTHEBULLS to set up your free account today. Welcome back. There are an infinite number of parenting behaviors that can have a long-lasting impact. Amen. Mm-hmm. Another common one is that your parents badmouthed the stock market. Mm. They could have lost a lot during the Great Recession or perhaps made bad investments and as a result placed all of their money in basic savings accounts or even worse, in an empty mayonnaise jar. Right. And, and, you know, this is you, you know, you always hear, oh, you know, the the rich get richer and they're, you know, all those types of things. So as a result, you may be fearful when it comes to investing, right? You had all that input coming in as growing up. But to help overcome this, do some research and ask your financial advisor questions to make sure you are investing in a way that helps you feel comfortable. And, And that's the big thing. You know, if you don't have a financial advisor, first off, there's a lot to unpack there. So some people don't have a financial advisor. So what we recommend is you talk to a couple people that do well with money and say, hey, you know, who do you use to help invest your money? And then go interview those financial advisors to see if they are the best fit for you. But then in addition, if you have a financial advisor, they should be caring about you first and foremost and how you're feeling. So some people, and I get it, Stock market drops 200 points and you can't sleep at night. So if you are in that boat, we still want you because stock markets historically perform very well compared to savings accounts that earn 0.001%. Um, 
But you're obviously, you're going to invest, it's going to not be as risky as someone that has a lot of risk tolerance. So think just kind of going back, you have to know yourself, but we also don't want you just burying your money in the backyard because Mm -hmm. it's going to earn nothing. And if you decide to do that, please send us your address and then show (laughs) us and then we'll we'll have a little fun now. (laughs) But in all seriousness, we we want you to try to invest in, but do it in a way that, that is most comfortable for you. Yeah. No, that's such a good point. I do think that... um, as of late, especially the more that with technology and social media that things are going around, people are starting to kind of fear the institutions yes. and not trust the institutions. And especially if you live through the 2008 time period and, right. and you saw all of those things happen, you have this tendency to kind of want to hoard and, and not put your faith in that. However, um, those things exist for a reason. And uh, more than likely, especially with the way that things are trending, you're going to need to figure out a way to take advantage of that. You can't just live off um, mattress money. Right. And like anything, look at history, right? Mm -hmm. It shows us that we've gone through cycles. So, I mean, you don't know. I don't know what the future is going to do if we did. We'd be podcasting from our own island in the middle of the Caribbean, right? Right? So, so we don't know. But when you look at the past, we can feel you know pretty confident that it's probably going to continue acting in the same way. So, Mm -hmm. but once again, just talk with a trusted financial advisor, and and then you know take take input from there. But once again, make sure that your needs are being met as well. So don't just get steered in the wrong direction because someone said so. Do a little research yourself. Know who you are and what you're comfortable with. Great point. So here's one that was more common years ago, and that's that your mom was dependent. Whether it was just with your dad or maybe a stepdad, the man took care of the money and mom never asked questions. Right. And, you know, as a father to two daughters, I'm so glad this is changing. But maybe you grew up like this. As a result, you're waiting for your knight in shining armor to take care of you. I mean, why should you have to struggle with money if your mom didn't have to? So you know, the, the problem with this, this can result in procrastination and irresponsible money behavior because in the back of your mind, you kind of assume someone is always going to take care of you financially. You know, someone's going to rescue you. Mm-hmm. Well, this one uh, comes really close to home for me. And uh, that's because my mom essentially went from being taken care of by her father to then being taken care of by another man and never really had to be on her own and be responsible for everything that was going Mm -hmm. on. And it's not that she was frivolous or that she was, um, you know, had bad behavior in spending. But when my dad passed, it was just very simple things that she didn't have the education and the know-how to do. So it was kind of learning from scratch at 60-something how to pay bills and how Mm -hmm. to make sure everything's taken care of, how to be, um, you know, smart with your financial advisor and pick a financial advisor that you like and all of these different things. So I I think, yes, you can see some bad behaviors from it, but it's more of just that empowerment, male or female, no matter how you grow up, if it's with a silver spoon in your mouth or not, you should figure out a way to be independent with your money or at least have the know-how so that should you find yourself uh, alone at some point, you know how to take care of yourself. Right. And I think you hit it the big empower. And that's a huge word we use. But I, I look at your mom and I know your mom was in the school system, was a mm-hmm, teacher. Mm-hmm. So I talked to plenty of teachers, you know, being in the profession before. She's educated. She, ha- I mean, your mom may have a man. I don't know what kind of degree. She at least she has, has a bachelor's. She has multiple. She's oh, very, yeah. Right. Okay. So to, to my point, it's not like most people aren't, you know, aren't smart per se. Right. If you can go get a degree, you obviously are able to do some stuff. It's just not, some people like to bury their head or the man. And, and it, it can be confusing. We know that. That's why we have this podcast. We know financial matters can be overbearing. But 
stuff happens. I mean, mm-hmm. your your dad passed away unexpectedly, you know, I mean, over time, but I mean, he, you know, it, yeah. it wasn't something your mom had planned on. So what happened then? Oh, gosh, she has to learn at the age 60. So I think, you know, the, the bottom line is for a lot of people, once to your point, male, female, whomever, just take this. You you need to learn for yourself, right? right. At least the basics mm-hmm. and understand it. That way, if something does happen to, to your spouse, you're able to kind of move on, right? It, it may not be, you know, at least financially, not emotionally. Right. I know that That's tough enough. Well, and I'd be remiss as a woman if I didn't say the stigma works both ways. So, mm-hmm. so uh, whether it's a traditional marriage that you're in or one that you grew up within, uh, if, if we're looking back to the 1950s and, and the woman hasn't learned and the man's taking over, men, make sure that your women know. Because right. if you're ever not around... Or in your case, if you're raising daughters, you want to make sure that they mm-hmm. uh, are empowered with that knowledge. And yeah, women do the same to your men. You, you should right. want to empower each other. So. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's a joint thing. So yeah, to work together to achieve that. So uh, even though we've beat that horse pretty dead, <laughs> <laughs> some tips on how to combat it. The first is kind of wake up. And that's, you know, don't wait for someone to rescue you. Mm-hmm. There isn't that knight in shining armor, right? Uh, take charge of your financial situation and life. Save yourself. Uh, and while it will take work, you will end up way more satisfied knowing that you did it and that um, you you can be in charge of your own personal happiness. Yes. Right? And you don't have to know everything, right? But it's just like, you know, able to run the household if you had to. That's mm-hmm. very empowering. So, yes, I mean, naturally, we've talked relationships more. One person usually is more of the the, the, the brain behind everything and mm-hmm. is interested in that. And one is more of the free spirit. And that's fine. But at least you have the knowledge to move forward if the worst were to happen. Right. Right. And that's that's actually a really interesting point to going back to the episode where we had our spouses on right. back in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's one thing for Justin and I to communicate with each other about money, but it's a totally different thing for us to understand one another's relationship with money. And then as a couple, mm-hmm. our marriage's relationship with money and <laughs> right. how we make decisions, because if we both were kind of frivolous and and. You know, maybe both grew up in situations where we didn't understand the true value of money. We would be very tempted to go and blow all of our money, and we sure. wouldn't have that stopgap, or one of us wouldn't be that stopgap for be each one other. Of the percent so, that lives paycheck to paycheck. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, it's it's not just your personal relationship with money; it's it's also your family. So yeah. I would say yes. Well, all right. So we've definitely unpacked a, a lot in this episode. So while looking back at our childhoods can be uncomfortable, hopefully you can see why it is important to do so. Some of us are making decisions due to reasons we had no idea existed. Um, so, so here at Mentoro, we place a huge emphasis on behavioral finance, and this is definitely one element of that. I would say so. So that does it for this episode. If you ever have an idea for a topic or you'd like to be a guest on Run With The Bulls or The Bullpen, feel free to email us at podcast at Whitney, thank you so much for chatting, and thank you for listening. Catch us next time as we run with the bulls. (laughs) Run with the bulls is sponsored by Mentoro and hosted by Danny Kofke and Whitney Queen. Learn more by visiting mentorogroup.com.